Hello and welcome to episode seven of Terrace Memoirs. I am Dave Harris, Reading Football Club season ticket holder and supporter of around 30 years. Um, thanks to all who downloaded last week's and, of course, all the other podcasts so far. Uh, as I say, we're up to episode seven. It's going really well. Um, last week's uh, in particular with Kaz was brilliant. Um, really enjoyed the, the chat with her. Um, and uh, certainly received some great feedback either through Kaz or um, or from, uh, from from a number of listeners. That was really, really good to hear. And further thanks go to Kaz for um, continuing to chat uh, and now looking to um, help out um, to make this podcast masquerade as a little bit um, more professional. Of course, my guests so far all um, completely understand that masquerade is very much the word because um, they know the truth. Um Today, so um, we're heading for a jaunt up north, um, certainly for, for me anyway. Um, so we're heading for my first visit to the footballing heartland that is the northwest, uh, specifically Liverpool and Goodison Park, Everton, um, and Deepdale, Preston North End. Um, very grateful to my guest for joining me today, Evertonian at heart, Scouser, um, ex-Navy, now, now Copper. Uh, has built a great affinity for Preston North End thanks to his role as football officer for that particular club um, within the Lancashire Constabulary. Uh, a very popular figure from what I can see and what I understand uh, within football fans for his even-handed, proactive, and I'm sure I, many people would agree with me, his downright sensible approach to football um, policing. Uh, big welcome to Constable Paul Elliott. How are you doing? I'm good, mate. Thank you. It's a bigger introduction, that. I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's good. I'm I'm really well, thank you. Thanks for <laughs> inviting me on. I'm a bit overwhelmed by the uh, the introduction. I've been called several things over the years, as you can imagine. Um, <laughs> but I'll take all the nice stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm good. Uh, I'm good. Good, good stuff. Um, just a, a quick disclaimer here, um, because uh, part of the the the, the rationale for for Paul coming on is is partly to do with his his, his position as football officer for Preston North End. Um, the, the the views expressed by him today and the opinions that he may give, um, very they are very much his own opinions. They don't necessarily represent those of the Lancashire Constabulary and the, the wider police force as a whole. Um, so yeah, just get that legal schmiegel bit and uh, yeah, don't sue me. Um, or, me or me, I've got a mortgage to pay. <laughs> <laughs> Quite so. Um, Everton fan, and of course uh, affinity for PNE. Um, what's your take on on them as as things stand right now? I think when you if you look at both teams this season, I'm probably the, the, in the right job and support the right team because they've, they've both been largely un, underwhelming, haven't they, this season? Um, flattered to deceive. Um, you know, uh, it's been a, it's been a difficult up and down season for both clubs. Uh, for various reasons, Everton starts and Preston both started really well. Um, I'm a flying, but the inconsistencies of both clubs at home. If you look at the, the both teams' home records, they've, they've, they've basically mirrored each other. They've been awful at home. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Everton's record at home this season is probably the worst, certainly in Premier League history. Um, and their away form is the best in Premier League history. Mm-hmm. Similarly, Preston have really struggled. They really, you know, Deepdale used to be a bit of a force, um, you know, and and they they had a long-standing um, 
record of the amount of uh, unbeaten games, especially particularly midweek, they, they seem to be for years and years of, of working there. They, it, nobody ever beat them on a Tuesday night at deep down. Mm-hmm. Um, but this season, they, you know, they, they couldn't buy a win until recently at home. Um, yeah. And that's really undermined both teams' ambitions this season, really. Yeah. It's, yeah. You know, it's, been a, it's been really frustrating. How much of that you can put down to you know, the lockdown and the, there being no fans there, it's clearly played a big part. It's played a big part in everyone's season, hasn't it? I think you look at some of the results and some of the teams and you can you can clearly tell those teams who who thrive off the emotion of the, the, the supporters at home seem to be really missing that. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, uh, I, and when the, the teams who maybe aren't as uh, vociferous at home Seem to be doing really well, you know. You, you know, without pointing fingers and naming names, you look at teams like uh, like West Ham. You know, it's it's the season there happens incredible, isn't it? Now, mm-hmm. most West Ham fans will tell you, you know, it's difficult in that new stadium to generate the sort of atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, absolutely. But does does that come as any surprise to you, given who's in charge of them, or um, or is it? Um, sorry, should, should I ask? Um, do you still look out for uh, for sort of David Moyes and, and how he does, given what he did for Everton? Or uh, yeah, think, now that he's gone, he's he's think, kind of out of sight, out of mind. No, uh, David Moyes is one of these characters. He'll always split opinion with Evertonians. I think um, there's, you know, he, the way the way he left the club will always leave a, a, a bitter taste in the mouth. Yeah, you know, th- things could have been handled differently, and he, he'd probably be the first to admit that. But ultimately, he came he came to us at a time. When we were we were we were really lacking in any direction and any uh, sort of sense of pride, and he and he, you know, he gave us a bit of a bit of that back, and I, I'll always be grateful for him coming and and giving us what he gave us. You yeah, because he, 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 he sorry he, he took over just after Walter Smith, didn't he? And you were sort of right down in the well, pretty much in the doldrums as 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 Premier League um sort of Everton's Premier League history goes, if I remember rightly. Yeah, yeah, Walter Walter had come. In off the back of um, of Joe Royal, I think, um, and you know Joe had brought us some real, you know, brought us the FA Cup, and again he brought us that fight and belief and and, and ambition after an absolutely dreadful time under Mike Walker, which we we probably best not even go to into, to be honest. Um, and Joe came in and, and did a, a great job again. That fight and belief, and you know the dogs of war and all that, um, mm-hmm. got it. Got us to the FA Cup and won us the FA Cup. And then we sort of thought we were going to build a bit of a, you know, bit of a head of steam and get back where we wanted to be. And it sort of felt a bit flat. And then Walter came in, and again, you know, Walter had done great, hadn't he, in in, in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, that, and again, that just fell flat. And then yeah. um, Moisey came in and. And sort of picked us up really and gives us a bit of a shake. And yeah. he was great. He was great for us, you know, eleven years. But again, and of course, know, fans will of course, say the way he left was a bit sour. But yeah, sure. But of course, he came in from uh, from what well, from Preston, didn't he? Uh, yeah, where yeah, he'd taken them up to, Preston. taking them from up to Division One in Old Money and um, and to the. Uh, did he take them to the playoffs as well? He did, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He took them to the playoffs twice, and and they, they just felt fell short. Uh, they played Bolton and West Ham in the playoffs, yeah. playoff final, and and um, just never quite made it. You know, and it, 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 I think that'll always sort of it'll always ache. Uh, you know, the Preston fans and, and yeah. other, other 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 Lancashire clubs will point at them and say, you know, they ne- they've never been in the Premier League. Um, 
So he became yeah, think, really close. I think it's the, uh, uh, well, with Notts County's relegation to the National League, I think I'm right in saying Preston North End are the only remaining club to have played every single um, football league season. Um, I think I'm right in saying that. I'm sure people will, will pick me up on that if that is wrong. Um, I'll, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, where Preston's concerned, I mean, obviously Preston, same division as my club, Reading. Um, yeah. Whereas we've had, in comparison to some of the more recent seasons, um, we've had a um, quite a successful season, despite we've come up just short. Um, Preston, looking at it from the outside, they're a club that, they, 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 they scream to me sort of mid-table. Um, they've generally had um, sensible and savvy, savvy managers, um, and certainly with, with, uh, with, the, with the money men keeping a very tight handle on the purse strings, um, they are sensibly run. Um, but, of course, that does always seem to lead to a struggle to break into, into the, the, the money clubs, as it were. Um, and 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 break into into the playoffs. They've always certainly under Alex Neal. They've always been very very tough tough team to play against. Got some very very good quality players, but just lacking in that in that quality, uh, particularly in the final third, really to, uh, um, to 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 make make a difference. Is that was that a fair assumption or fair, fair? Yeah, I mean, again, you know, I, as as I've been the Preston football officer, I've been watching sort of Preston since 2006, 2007 season. So it's a long time, but, you know, I think it, I don't get to watch that much of the games, but, you know, obviously I, I'm, I'm in and around the fans a lot and you, you yeah. listen to them and, you know, they've always, I think they've always had opportunity where you get to the January and it's, you know, where the you, you need your club to either take a gamble, you know what I mean, to stick or twist and, and to try and just push that little more, that little further. I remember when David Nugent was playing for them, and it, it looked like it was going to be his last season. Um, and they got to the January, and they were up and around the playoffs. And you, you sort of, from the outside looking in, thought, you know, go on, just you know, he's he's going to go at the end of the season anyway. So you're going to get some money in. Um, just take a bit of a punt and just just go for it. They bring a lot of players through, um, and. Seem to move move them on, um, and then you sort of having to go through that sort of uh, rebuild again, and you can never really get any momentum with that, can you know? Um, no. If you no. Have, if you're constantly having to every two or three years, you lose a couple of players. I mean, you look at the team now; they had eight eight new players in in January and lost eight. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and out of the eight who went, you've got Ben Davis who went to Liverpool, Ben Pearson who went to 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 Bournemouth, who were probably two of the best players. Yeah. Um, they brought a, a couple of lads in on loan, a young Everton a lad from Everton, um, Anthony Gordon. Um, I think it's Van der Berg from uh, Liverpool as part of the Ben Davis thing. Ched Evans. Um, so, it, you know, you're bringing in eight and losing eight in January. It's never ideal, is it? You know, and it, it, at that time you're struggling anyway, and it's you're asking no. people to come in and try and lift the team. It's, it's, it's a big ask, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and particularly when there are so many players as well, you, you could understand it if it was, if it was just a couple of players and, and, you know, just to freshen things up. But if it's eight in, eight out, you know, that's like three quarters of your of a first team. 
um, yeah. which is which is incredibly difficult to like I say to maintain any consistency and any momentum. Um, I mean, it's going to be a massive summer for them. You know, I think um, again the lone players go back to the host clubs. Um, they've got a, a load of players out of contract again in the summer. Obviously, there's an issue with the issue around the manager. They've currently got a sort of a, an interim uh, manager who's done really well, Frankie yeah. McAvoy. Um, so it, for, for for Preston North End, it's a big summer. You know, they've got some big decisions to make about whether they keep Frankie on and and, and push on and get in and all the new players, or they move in a different direction. You know, I don't know what they're going to do, and I don't really yeah. know what the, the fans want to do. There's loads of names getting touted around. Yeah, sure. As, as, like Gareth Ainsworth and people like that, who's obviously done a great job at Wickham. For Preston fans, you, um, you hope that it's going to be someone who's going to, you know, sort of at least maintain that level of stability, um, and um, and sort of bring the absolute maximum out of the um, out of the group of players that he's got, working within the constraints that he'll that he'll understandably have. A lot of fans will point to that financial stability, and if you look at, you know, there's there's far more. Uh, knowledgeable people around Preston North End's sort of finances and, and players and stuff than I am. Um, you know, who'll say they've got one of the lowest budgets in, in the championship. So, you know, when you say, you know, you look at them, they're a mid-table team, they're, they're, they're probably punching above, they're probably punching a bit above, above the the weight of the the finances that they're paying out to, to, mm-hmm. get, a mid, to get a mid-table finish. Um so yeah, it's it's difficult in it because you know the average around sort of twelve, I'll have 10, 10 to twelve thousand fans. It's getting that money in through the turnstiles and getting you know getting getting it. A lot of money goes on wages these days, doesn't it? Football clubs. You look at you know your football, <laughs> your you look at your football club's recent sort of uh, financial <laughs> performance. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at you look at the um the. the the ability to generate income and the ability to get fans through the gates, and you, you got to look at Reading and Preston and say that, that you know where where those two um, facets are concerned, they're similarly sized clubs, yeah. um, and yet Preston, I mean, Preston, the way that they're run now reminds me of the days that we um, when we were under Sir John Madeski. Um So you know uh, we were well run then. Um, he did seek to um, to at least try and make the, the club um, self self sustaining. Um, he didn't quite get it to that, um, but we were able to sell certainly under um, after we after we'd been relegated from the Premier League for the first year. Um, needless to say, there was a lot of turnover in players, but we were able to generate huge in you know, 15 years ago huge sums of money for some of the players that we had, like um, Kevin Doyle, Dave Kiss, and um, Stephen Hunt and the like. Um, but we used that money to, um, to, to to sort of to, to help the club um, without with without necessarily sort of just reinvesting that in you know, all of it into the um, into the playing staff. Um, of course, it, it does take a really good manager, like you said earlier, um, to uh, to be able to have your best player or best players um, sold and still get the team performing. Now, one manager who was able to do that, while, I, while you were saying that, I was thinking was Brian McDermott. Um, he did get us promoted again. Um, but since then, of course, um, we've had three sets of new owners um, and the financial situation has just been one of firefighting all the time. Um, so it is a question of um, just being careful of careful of what you wish for. Um, yeah. Preston, as it stands at the moment, um, other, other than if they had an absolutely spectacular season, um, sort of Leicester-like, 
um, they are at, with the squad that they've got. It strikes me as that they are at the limit of, you know, of where they can realistically um, sustain, shall we say. Yeah, it's always difficult, isn't it? You know, as football fans, as a football fan, you just want someone to come in who's worth squillions and, mm-hmm. and buy every single player, you know, off FIFA. Um, put them out every week, you know, with a with a, a you know a, a gold rated manager, and win everything in sight. Now, let's be perfectly honest. I mean, look at you know, <laughs> look what's going on at the minute in football. Um, you know, it's a good time to be talking about the finances, isn't it? Um, there's only a couple of teams realistically in in the world now who can do that. Um, and as football fans, none of us are realists, are we? We're all we're all dreamers. We all. <laughs> We're, every single June or July, we we all secretly think this could be it. You know what I mean? It, it doesn't matter who you support. Um, you know, you think this could be our season. We could have a good cut run, or we could, you know, we could do whatever. Um, but realistically, there's only a couple of teams who who are who are going to win. You know, the less the Leicester story a, a few years ago was magnificent, wasn't it? And it was so refreshing to see, and and. You know, for them to break into it all, which has probably sparked what's what's going on at the minute, isn't it? Really, you yeah. know, someone breaking yeah. into that into that top, into the top echelons, and, and and other clubs thinking, well, actually, we don't we don't want other people to do that um, yeah. because that might mean that we can't play in that league. Um, so, yeah, I think we're all we all want the best for our teams. Sometimes, just having a team should be good enough. If you ask the Berry fans, you know. Oh God, yeah. And, you know, we've got to sometimes take a step outside of our own, step away from our hearts and start using our heads and think, you know what, let's just be happy that we've got a football team to go and watch every weekend. So take us back to the very beginning. Um, we had a, a, a quick chat beforehand um, and Goodison Park, first visit there, 1977. Is that right? Yeah, I'll be honest with you. Um I was born in 73, so my recollection of it isn't great. Now, my dad assures me it was 1977. Um, and he's basing that on the fact that he missed half the game because I trapped my fingers in the wooden seats in the, in the, <laughs> lower, in the, in the lower Bullens, where, where he always used to take me. Um, mm-hmm. And I spent, like, half the game, he reckons... In the first aid room, crying. Um, so his rec- his recollection of it is far better than mine. I, I I sort of it's a bit sketchy as a four year old, I think. But yeah, I think it was a night match as well. And I, and if a, my sister was born in seventy six, the end of seventy six. So I think it'll have been early seventy seven, and it was a case of getting out the way of doing any nappy changes and stuff. <laughs> and dad, and it was a case, you know, back back then the men never changed the nappies anyway. Um, so it was. He, he wasn't a new man. He he, uh, he took me off to the footy. You know, it was one of them. If you're going, take him with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I got taken along to Goodison Park, um, and I, I, and I, I don't know whether it's that game or not, but I do distinctly remember sort of the, being in awe of this sort of. Um, I mean, you, every football fan will relate to this. That sort of that feeling that first night match that you go to. Even nowadays, I, I love night matches. I, I'd prefer yeah, every, yeah. every match to be played at night um, because you're walking towards the stadium 
Um, and obviously in Goodison, it's it's you know it's 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 in the middle of Walton and it's it's terraced houses all around, apart from one side, Walton Road. Um, but we'd have come at come at it from sort of the Goodison Road side. And I remember sort of getting closer, and you can see a glow in the distance. Um, and obviously the streets are busy, walking walking up there, and you being sort of uh, waist high to the mm-hmm. adults, you know, and sort of getting closer and closer, sort of being dragged along. Um, say my sister was born in December, so this would have been sort of January, February time. Um, cold winter's night, but being dragged along, and the sort of the noise and the buzz and the smell, and and that sort of like a UFO in the distance, you know, this mm-hmm. this, this this light that evocative this, glow, yeah, 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 you know, lit up, and then you know when you you queue up to get in, and and I'm you know. Uh, a disclaimer here: he probably didn't pay for me. I'm guessing he just pushed me through the. <laughs> he pushed me through the. He pushed me through the turnstiles. But you know, I, I think, think I owe many everything. football I fans owe... can uh, of, a, of well, an age relate to that. I think. Yeah, I don't think any kids paid in in the 70s or the 80s. You just got pushed through, uh, you know, in front of an adult. Um, so you know, I might owe Evan a 50p or something, a pound, whatever it was back then. Um, and then it's that it's that sort of you, you as an away fan if you've been to Goodison Park you'll have been in the Bullens Road at, at side of the stadium. Have, um, yeah. It's a really tight concourse. Um, it hasn't changed much since the seventies, to be honest with you. It's still rickety and old and wooden, and you know. Um, and then you walk up and you're sort of met by that sort of dazzle of light and just just seeing the the the, the, the green carpet of the football pitch laid out in front of you and it just seems everything just seems huge doesn't it It sort of takes your breath away Mm -hmm. um and then obviously i went and got my fingers trapped in the seat and cried for the rest of the game (laughs) can you um can you remember the match or can you remember who who it was that you played or is that completely uh no my my dad seems to think it was qpr now i've I've tried to sort of go back and look and i'm not 100 percent I do remember us playing QPR on a, on a on a night match and being and being there and being young, um, mm-hmm. but I can't 100% put my finger on it. I know we he then took me after that. He took me to the League Cup final replay, which again was a a midweek one, and this was a strange one. Um, if you you know for for younger fans, and I clash you as one of these younger fans as well. It was it was the, the League Cup final in nineteen seventy seven between Everton and Aston Villa it was it was played three times. There was three there was a, the, the first game was at Wembley they drew. Yeah. The, sec, the first replay was at Hillsborough, which they drew. And then they had a third replay at Old Trafford, which is just bizarre, isn't it? I mean, imagine yeah. that these days. You know what I mean? It's it's because penalties weren't um weren't a, a regular fixture at all in particularly in club football then, were they? No, 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 not. At I think all. they were only introduced into the FA Cup in '91. Um, so my dad took me to that to that the Old Trafford game again. I think it was it was one of them where, you know, my sister had not it was was still in nappies. You know, it was it was only a few months old, and and my dad was going, and it was right. Well, if you go and you take him with you, um, and again, uh, we I got dragged along to that, and ultimately they lost. So I then became, the, I think I then became known as you know, like the sort of the jinx, really. And it was like, <laughs> you know. sort of moving, moving on a little bit. Clearly, that Everton team of the the, the earlier mid and the late eighties, well, completely the whole eighties decade, um, was an exceptional one. So you were just growing up, really, and sort of really forming your um, sort of your footballing personality, I suppose, watching 
watching that team with, I'm just thinking off the top of my head now, the likes of Graham Sharp, um, Gary Lineker. Uh, was Neville Southall there at the time? I think he was. Yeah, well, I mean, um, let's, you know, let's if, if we're going to do it, let's do it right. So you had Neville Southall in goal. You had <laughs> Gary Stevens at right back, Kevin Ratcliffe, Derek Mountfield, uh, John Bailey initially, but then Pat Vandenau came in. Then you had Kevin Sheedy, Paul Bracewell, Peter Reid, Trevor Stephen, Graham Sharp, Adrian Eve, Andy Gray. You know, um, you had sort of players like Kevin Richardson who, who came in, uh, Alan Harper who was like sort of one of the most underrated um, players of, the, of that era as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, then you only had one sub. Um, so you know, Alan Harper was was sort of like our our go to man. He played in every position, I think. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Through the sort of late seventies, I was dragged along with my dad and his mates and um, my uncles, who were all Evertonians. I mean, the whole family. Um, my mum's mum, my nan, she's the she's one of fifteen kids, and all her brothers. She had eight brothers. They were all blues. Um, mm-hmm. My nan had eleven kids. Me, my mum's the eldest of eleven. She had five brothers, all but one of them, the youngest. Evertonians, he, he was a Liverpoolian, but as me nan always said, she dropped him on his head. Um, there was never, there was never a choice. There was never like, oh, do you want to be a red or do you want to be a blue? It was just you're a blue, you know. I mean, my granddad um, was a dock worker and li- lived in the Bull Ring in Liverpool, and he obviously grew up watching watching Dixie Dean and stuff like that, and and was just an Evertonian. He, he it, him and all his mates were Evertonians, and his, the, the only mate who he had it was a Liverpoolian. My granddad said he hated him, you know, and he was his mate. <laughs> um, yeah, so my granddad was mates with him, and and they they, they go to all the games, you know. They, he used to tell me about how there was there was seventy eight thousand in Goodison in sort of the mid nineteen fifties and stuff, you know. But getting back to the family thing, we we would I was just brought up in a family of blues, other than me, the one uncle who who. As I say, my nan said she dropped him on his head. He he just wants to be different. Um, and then growing up in school and stuff, we went to Main Road. And I remember it really distinctly because I was playing footy for the school team. And I didn't think we were going to go to that. I didn't think we had tickets. And my dad come and pick me up from school, watch the watch them. And we got in his uh, mint green Rover 2000 with brown velour seats. <laughs> and we went right. down the... Uh, yeah, we went down Good the... British build. Like, yeah, yeah, I think he thought he was in the Sweeney or something. Um, <laughs> and we went down the East Lanks uh, to Main Road, parked up in some dodgy back street in Moss Side, went on, went on the game um, and got beat. Got beat 1-0, Graham Sooner scored. Um, and again, you know, obviously... I was then again the jinx. I'd only been to two sort of finals, and I was the jinx. Oh, well, I'd been to three, but one was a draw, two two defeats. We got back to the car, and someone had put a brick through the back window of his uh, of his rover. If you can remember them, the the the, the back winds. The, I don't know whether you again don't know whether you're too young for this, but basically the the back window of them was probably about eight foot. It just seemed it was huge, it's like a HGV. <laughs> Um, and there was a, a brick nestling on the back on the back because of where we'd parked it. And clearly, you know, uh, um, from out of town, and you know, you back in them days, um, you ran the gauntlet round that way in Moss Side. Yeah, yeah, I gotta but, say, it's Moss Side's main road. It, it 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 had a reputation. 
I mean, as I said, most night most night matches have an air of menace, but you know, Tuesday night in Moss sides definitely carried a more than an air of menace or a Wednesday, whatever it was. And obviously we got beat then and we went we went back and we were we were all disappointed and you sort of think, is that it? Is that is that is that us? Is you know, is this gonna d- d- deflate us or is it gonna inspire us? And I think what happened was it, it gave the team a belief that they, they were they were good enough to get into finals. And so that the start of that eighty four, eighty five season memory serves me right, we played Tottenham first game of the season and we got battered at 0-4. Um, and so you're thinking, oh yeah, it was um, it was uh, you know, a, a fleeting glimpse of what we could have done. Mm-hmm. Then we just we just went on this incredible run and the, the confidence in the team and it was a really young team other than Peter Reid. You know, you had Neville in goal and Gary Stevens, who was an England international so you had you know, Neville, a Welsh international, arguably the, the the best goalkeeper in the world at the time, or certainly in, in the next, over the next few years. Gary Stevens, who ended up being the England fullback. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin Ratcliffe was the captain of Wales. He was only young and he'd come through the youth system at Everton. Um, Derek Mountfield, who was a local lad. Um, you had John Bailey had, had been sort of moved. He, he played a few games. Pat Van Der come in. Um, Trevor Stephen again, who went on to you know real success with England. Peter mm-hmm. Reid, then you know he just had to come into come into his own in the middle. Paul Bracewell, they brought in, I think from Sunderland, who was just a, a, a just a class act. Um, you know, Reid he was all about grit and getting a tackle in, and, and and Brace was just all about skill and and you know he's so cultured. Um, and you had Kevin Sheedy, who we'd got from Liverpool reserves. Again, you know, an absolute sort of wizard of a left foot. Um, and Sharpie was my favourite player. You know, he, ju- he just came into his own Sharpie. He just, he, for me, you know, there was, there was, he just epitomised all the Everton number nines that me, me granddad had told me about him. And, and then me dad had told me about, you know, me dad's favourite player was Alec Young. Me granddad's was, um, was, was obviously Dixie. Um, and then you 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 know this thing about I think every club must have you know the 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 sort of talisman and you know, but look Sharpie more than lived up to the the the, the Everton number nine. I went to every game that season um, again with my uncles. My uncle used to live in Bootle near the the Mons pub, which you know if any any Evertonians are listening to this, they they the sort of they'll be familiar with. Um, so we, my dad by this time, my dad my dad was a, a taxi driver, still is. Um, so he, he'd sort of work on a Saturday, but what he'd do, he, he'd take me down, drop me off at my uncle's, and then we'd just walk over to the to the ground via via, via a variety of pubs on the route, mm-hmm. um, and go on the game with my uncle, my uncle uh, Mick and, and Dave, and uh, they used to take me everywhere, home and away. Um, yeah. I went to every game. It, it was it was an, an amazing time to be an Evertonian, and anyone who's sort of followed the team through those successful periods. You go to every game thinking you're going to win every game. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's, it's brilliant. And I, I don't think, I don't think we ever got complacent either. You know, I don't feel like, I don't think we had the chance to get complacent, to be honest with you, because of no. what happened then later on in a few years later, um, with Iceland stuff and the band. But I don't think we were ever complacent. I think we really appreciated it and we really enjoyed it. I, yeah. And it wasn't like a, a sort of oh yeah we're going to win today. It was like it, it was still an ex- there was still an excitement to that. There was it was never oh we'll probably you know we'll win we'll win today. Um, the one it was just like every game was exciting and obviously that mm-hmm. that built 
built to a crescendo because um, obviously we'd won the FA Cup uh, in, in 84 um, against Watford and so we were in the uh, the, the Cup Winners' Cup um, and so I, I, I skipped forward a bit there yeah, so because we from the Milk Cup we went on and, and won the FA Cup and that's when we sort of thought you know what this is this is these these are half decent. Let's go into the new season really on a buzz, and then we we got beat off Spurs. Um, but we were in the Cup Winners' Cup, and uh, we we were doing well in that and progressing through all the rounds in that as well. I think we stumbled at first. I think we played some. I think we played University College Dublin in the in like the preliminary rounds. I think we managed mm-hmm. through with them. Or we, you know we struggled in the first leg and then we beat them at home. Uh, but then we went on and on, and we we obviously that, that obviously culminated in the in the in the famous night at Goodison when we played Bayern Munich, yeah, who, yeah. who, who, who were clearly the favourites to win it, April twenty fourth, nineteen eighty five. Um, they were they were clearly favourites to win it, and I was in the Gladys Street that night uh, with me with me Bob hat on, stood in the top right hand corner, and it was just an unbelievable experience. I mean, most Evertonians will tell you that was the sort of their best night. You know the best night that they they had in Goodison. Um, it's it, it was a they gave them a good going over, um, mm-hmm. and and deservedly sort of got on to the the final, which ultimately was a bit of a, although it was amazing, and, and me and my dad went to that in his green, in his green <laughs> uh, now repaired um, back wind, window where uh, Rover two thousand. Um, it, it not it wasn't an anti climax, but beaten by Munich was like was the statement game. Yeah. You know, rapid, rapid Vienna. I think had only got into it because Celtic had been an issue with fans trouble, and Celtic I think had been kicked out. So uh, Rapid Vienna got through to it, and it and it was although uh, you know we were drawing nil nil at half time. We 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 it was like an exhibition game, the the Rapid Vienna game, and, and deservedly obviously we 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 went went on to win three mm-hmm. one, um, and and that. The end of the week, we we so we wrapped up the league. We won the Cup Winners' Cup, and then um, we played United then in the final of the FA Cup to do the treble. But it was, I think, it was just a game too far for us. Yeah, um, that was the um, the Norm, Norman White side. Yeah, Norman yeah. bending it, bending it round. Uh, yeah, with ten men around. United as well, wasn't it? Yeah, Kevin Moran, first player to be sent off in an FA Cup final, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that season, obviously, you know, you said that you got to the Milk Cup final the the year before, FA Cup final, won the league, um, Cup Winners' Cup, did say Cup Winners' Cup final, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in '85, and that's kind of set you up for the next few years because there were a number of other cup finals and um, and close run things in the league, weren't there? Yeah, well, then we 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 sort of went, we was you know all conquering all, but for the FA Cup final, and we went into. The next season, the 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 eighty five eighty six season, um, and we and you know you're thinking, well, same again, please, you know, more of the same. Um, ultimately, we we get to we come second in the league to Liverpool, and we and we get to the final at the FA Cup again, um, and they, they beat us in that as well in eighty six. By this time, we've got Gary Lineker playing for us, and we we sort of changed changed the style of play to suit Gary really. Um, because he was he was very much someone who played on the shoulder of defenders. One, he got it. You know, he, he mm-hmm. used his he used his pace. We were never particularly fast up front. You know, with with Sharpie and uh, Andy Gray, you had Inchy buzzing in and around, but I wouldn't say you had blistering pace. Um, and and they, they bought Lineker 
and it it's it sort of changed our style really. We were a bit more direct to try and suit him. I think he ended up scoring thirty goals, which obviously was great for him. But ultimately, we 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 were runners up in in the league and the cup <laughs> to to the to the other the other lot from across the park, which <laughs> yeah. which was a which was the bitterest of bitter pills to swallow. <clears throat> Yeah, well, we Correct. won the league. The ne- we won the league the next year. We got Ga- Gary Lineker went to famously went to Barcelona, um, and we we won the league eighty six eighty seven. Won it down. Won it down in Norwich. Pat Van der again. We we got back to our more, a bit more football, playing a bit more football then, and we 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 got we won the league then. Down, I say down at Norwich. I remember. I remember we went down uh, thousands of us. I think we ended up on the pitch. Stuff. And and again, it, you know, it was a great season, and we thought, you know, we, we, we were sort of that that one year that we 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 didn't um, we came second to, to the other lot was was out of our system, and we'd go on to, to 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 be all conquering again. But then it it just didn't happen again. Then it just it, it just we just never followed it up the next year. It just seemed to slip away then, and then it just became difficult. You can't talk, sort of talk about that era without bringing into into play the fact that. You know what happens at Heysel and the five-year ban on, on yeah. clubs play, playing in Europe massively affected Everton. Probably affected Everton more than any other club in the country. You know, off the back of winning the league in 80, 85, mm-hmm. you know, we we we'd have gone on to play in the Champions uh, Champions League in the European, European Cup, Cup. Yeah. in the European yeah. Cup as well as was then, um, and we we weren't allowed to take part in it because of because of what had gone on in Heysel. Mm-hmm. Um, so. That must have played on the certainly when you listen to you know if you read any old stuff or watch any old footage, it obviously played on the minds of a lot of the players who who were destined to be you know all conquering in Europe. We'd beaten Bayern Munich the year before, who would you know arguably one of the, you know one of if not the best team in Europe around the time, along with the, the team from the other across the park, um, and you know we we never got a chance to to show our class the next years the next couple of years, and you know we. In my opinion, we would have gone on, and we would have, we would have progressed, and we would have, we would have grown as a club, and we we had an opportunity to, to to put our stamp on Europe. Uh, yeah, but, but we weren't allowed. Ultimately, Ultimately then Howard, then. Howard leaves, um, and then a load of the players leave. Gary Stevens, Trevor Steven, they want European football. Um, Lineker had gone, and it, and it was sort of the breakup of a, of of, of a title winning team then, and Colin Harvey took over. And we sort of stuttered and stumbled then, up until the nineties when the Premier League got formed. So, all of this, uh, the, the, the bits and pieces that are going on with Everton, the, the, the clear backdrop is you know you're well into your teenage years, and you make a um, a huge life decision to um, join the senior service, the Royal Navy. Ultimately, I, I hated school, um, and. I wasn't particularly attentive in school. I was okay. I got by, but I was I, I played football. But I was playing football for a league club at junior level, and so I always thought, oh well, I'll 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 be a footballer. I was I was at Stockport County, and I was nowhere near good enough to to, to sort of make it. But obviously, when you're 15, 16, you think you're going to make it. Yeah. Um, so academically, I wasn't really too fussed about you know going to college. Getting a, a career or anything like that. Um, me, me dad was more than happy for me to, you know, to to play footy. He used to used to take me all over and um, to play. 
Um, and, and in my head, you know, I'll get a YTS apprenticeship as it was at the time, and I and I'll you know I'll go and play footy for Stockport. Um, when that didn't pan out, you sort of left them thinking, well, I didn't really concentrate when I was told to do these exams, so they're not going to the results aren't going to be good. I better look at other stuff. Um, and so I went to a careers uh, convention in school. And there was obviously the, the armed services were there and stuff like that. And um, my granddad, obviously being a shipbuilder, had always sort of uh, told me about. And my other granddad, who, who uh, my mum's dad, he was ex-Royal Navy and there was pictures of him up and stuff. Um, so we always thought, well, let's go and have a chat with them. My mum and dad said, if you're going to join one, you you know, it'll be the Navy. They wouldn't sign the papers for me to join the Army. <laughs> um, and they just didn't even consider the RAF, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, so it, was the, it was the Navy. And I, so I went and took the test and all that. And they basically said, you know, well, these are the, I don't know whether you know how it works. You go and do a test, like an, uh, an aptitude test. Aptitude test, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and from your score, they basically say, these are the jobs that are open to, for you to, to, to have a to, to, to join us you know yeah. and they range they range from sort of i don't know dropping the anchor to flying the planes you know what i mean it was painting the side of the ship or or being the being a captain um mm-hmm. so at the time i think uh top gun had been out and things like that and i thought yeah i'll be an aircraft engineer that was one that was open to me so i ticked the box for aircraft engineer sort of fast forward three or four months um I end up going off to join the Navy as a 16 and a half year old, uh, seven, just under, nearly 17. Um, so that was 1989, nine, just after the, the FA Cup final that we lost to Liverpool again. Um, yeah, so that, 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 that I then missed a section of sort of that early 90s wow at Everton because... Um, I was traveling around the world, basically. I, I ended up being a, a Sea Harrier engineer. Yeah, I was going to uh, say, was it Harriers that you were on? Yeah, so I was based, I, I ultimately ended up being based down in Yeovilson, Royal Naval Air yeah. Station, Yeovilson in Somerset. Yeah. Um, I was on 801st Naval Fighter Squadron, which was Sea Harrier jump jets. And we were sort of attached to um, the Ark Royal. So whenever the Ark Royal went anywhere, we, we went with them, really. Uh, for a few years, it was you know it, it it took me all over the world, and I and I carried yeah. on, carried on playing football as well with the navy, which was good um, because mm-hmm. they back then I don't know whether they still do now, but certainly in the sort of early late eighties, early nineties, and probably before that, um, if you were any good at sport, you basically didn't have to do any work. It was a bit like being a professional footballer. You just did say there was a game on this day, and it's up it's up at RAF wherever. And we'd travel up there, stay overnight, play the game, stay there the next night, you know, have a beer with, with the other team, with the opposition, and then you'd come mm-hmm. back the next day. A bit more difficult when you're at sea. But, you know, weirdly enough, one of the year, uh, we, we had inter-tournament, inter-department inter five-a-side on the flight deck of the Ark Royal in the, Baham- <laughs> in, the, in, in the Bahamas, I remember. Um, and we won our, our it, it, we won it, much to the dismay of, the rest of the ship's crew. And, I and those, think, those aircraft catch nets have got to be used for something because they don't catch aircraft very often, do they? Yeah. If you think, <laughs> if you think of, um, if you're thinking like, how did you manage it with, you know, what did you do with balls? So basically they rolled up uh, rags, old rags, and they used um, masking tape 
the, that really thick duct tape, and they made we made about <coughs> so we made about a hundred balls with them because obviously they yeah. kept going over the side of the ship, um, and the, the, we had goals anyway, so we had the goals set up on the flight deck, and we added it an inter-department uh, five-a-side, which, yeah, as I say, we, we won. That was in the Bahamas. But, yeah, I went all over, and one of the most surreal, probably, moments, we, we went to, uh, to to Bosnia in 1993 when the Bosnian conflict was on. When it was still kicking off, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and because we were, we were um, you know, we were going to take part in some of the, the bombing raids and stuff, we actually flew off into... Um, Sardinia, because there's a there's a, a NATO base there where they do sort of practice bo- dropping bombs. They've got like some uh, some uh, target areas in in Sardinia, but yeah. So we we end up flying flying out, and they couldn't fit us all on the on on the the aircraft that we we had to fly out on. So we end up going. Some of us end up going to Sardinia uh, to Sicily, sorry, um, for the night. Some of the pilots and some of the technicians. And you get an allowance, and you yep. can imagine as a like seven, eighteen-year-old lad, when you get the allowance, I think it was like you got one hundred and twenty pounds. So they said you got one hundred and twenty quid. You have got to find your accommodation and feed yourself. So the lads all wanted to spend their money on like a like basically a a, a, a sun lounger on the beach and spend the rest on ale and food and other things, as you can imagine. And all the, <laughs> and, all, and all the pilots, all the pilots wanted to go to somewhere really nice. And we all had to go together. That was the thing. So we all end up staying in the Sheraton International in in Sicily, which out of the hundred and twenty pound they'd been given, it cost one hundred and nineteen pound ninety nine or something like that. <laughs> so we didn't. So none of the us, vast majority of it. So it took up all the money. None of us had a pot to go and get drunk on. Um, but but I, I get into my room and and um, I, I plunk the, your bag, your kit bag down or whatever, and it was only for one night. And I put the telly on. And it was Coventry. Uh, this football came on, and I'm going. I'm sure that looks like Everton. Anyway, it turns out it was Coventry v Everton um, at Highfield Road. Highfield Road, yeah, yeah. And uh, we won one nil, and Kenny Sanson had signed for us at this point, and he scored the winner. He scored a worldie as well. It was. I, I seem to remember being like a, a, a 25, 30 yarder or whatever. But it was a. But but it was so surreal. I'm sat in the Sheraton International. I've been an Evertonian all my life. I haven't been sort of been able to go because of these, you know, the the, the fact that I'm travelling all over. Um, and the one place when I turned the telly on, the first thing I see was Everton v Coventry. Everton. <laughs> yeah, and it just sort of brought me back. Then it was like, oh yeah, here we go. You know what I mean? This is this is what we've missed. But what we did do while we were over there, we actually took in um, Calgary v Sampdoria while we were there in '93. A couple of the lads were obviously we were all there was a lot of football fans on in on the ship, um, and whenever we got somewhere, we'd always try and get some football in. Um, anyway, one of the lads said Sampdoria are playing uh, Cagliari, and at the time, uh, Sven Goran Eriksson was the manager. You had Attila Lombardo, yeah, uh, Roberto Mancini, and mm-hmm. um, England's, uh, own, England's own. You'll never beat Des Walker. Um, played as well. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Because David Platt was over there at that time as well. Had he, had he left um, Sampdoria by that point? No, he, he hadn't joined Sampdoria at that point. He was at Juventus. Right. If you remember, he went to Juventus for a year, and then he signed for yeah. Sampdoria the following year. So we, that, we went that was the that was the that was a Sampdoria team that got to the European Cup final as well, wasn't it? Was yeah, it ninety two yeah. that they lost to Barcelona? Yeah. Well, we say we we ninety we went then in, in 
in the March of 1993. It was. We went. So, I think they'd won the year before. Ericsson was the manager, I say. They won 2 0 and Mancini scored twice. Um, mm-hmm. But that, and then that was an experience because we, you know, the stadiums, if anyone's ever been to an Italian stadium, are completely different to, to the English stadiums. They're basically just a shell. Um, there was no seats as such, there was just like a piece of plastic mm-hmm. that was sort of bolted to concrete step. Um, and obviously, you had the ultras, you know, you. We were sort of, we'd come from English football where you sort of watch the game and, and you know, you, you get involved in a bit of chanting, a bit of singing and stuff just to see these people in front of us because we ended up going in the away end um, and you end up with these fans just basically facing you with these huge flags, just ba- just getting the crowd going more than anything else. Yeah. Um, and it was, it, was, it, was, it was really good. It was a proper experience. Um, and obviously they won, and again, then you're running the um, you're you're running the gauntlet. Then when the you gauntlet come outside. afterwards, yeah, yeah. yeah. I can imagine that's uh, that's that's different, particularly when when you know you're in you're in a well, I want to say a strange country. That's the wrong way of putting it, but you know what I mean. No, yeah, um, well, when you're in foreign shores and they realise you're not only in the away end, you're not even from the same country, you know, um, and especially you know English fans. Um, it, it, yeah, you become a bit of a target, mm. but it was good. You know, we 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 were used to it. We'd been fighting with the RAF all week, so we were we were all right. <laughs> We'd licked our wounds. We were okay yes. by then. Yeah, but no, uh, because you you missed as you alluded to earlier. I mean, you you missed a lot of Everton football. Then um, was that a, a bit of a bind, or or was it something that that you were um, sort of almost I want to say quite happy to. Uh, I think, um, I think at, 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 the, at the time you miss it because you're missing out on that. You know what is your your normal, isn't it? You know, you 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 it's your routine. That Saturday, Tuesday, um, buzz is no more. Um, it was taken up, obviously. By don't get me wrong, I was doing, I was do, I was I was kept busy enough. I wasn't pining for it, and especially when the way we were playing. At the, around that time as well, you know, we weren't we weren't ripping up any trees. You know, we were quite the opposite. We were going in reverse, um, and everything Howard had built had sort of deteriorated and slipped away, and we were we were fast sort of sinking. Um, so that you know, in in looking back, I didn't miss anything really. Um, I probably saved a lot of money by not being there. Um, but yeah, did you get to you the know, uh, did you get to the ninety five FA Cup final though? Yeah, well, I, I came, I came back. Uh, I, I was five years in the navy, and, I, and we came back. I, I got back, based back in England, in sort of ninety four, um, ninety yeah ninety four. We came back off the ship, so you you basically were on the ship for sort of two and a half years, nearly three years. Came back, came back and got based at Yeovilton. Um So I was able then to sort of travel a bit more back up 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 home, and I left the navy middle of 94 just before the start of the 94-95 season so um, initially when I came back I got a job in a, in a, in a local uh, factory and it, again it was in the in the middle of the town and reds and blues uh, in a workforce of probably seven eight hundred and quickly formed you know little clicks with people and Found out a couple of lads who were going to every game, uh, all the Everton games, um, 
and that I got in with them. Ended up getting my season ticket back then in ninety for the ninety four ninety five season um, in the top balcony then. Yeah, and um, started started getting back on it then. Obviously, Joe Royal had come in then. Um, I, I mean, I'd been I'd been going intermittently whenever I could, and so I'd sort of been through the Mike Walker sort of the pain of Mike Walker and, and you know, us having Brett Angel up front and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, but luckily for me, as I say, when I left the Navy, Joe Joe would come back to the club um, and, and sort of took us took us to the new heights, took us to uh, the FA Cup final, which again, so that season I went to, every, that, that season I went to every game home and away with, um, Keith and uh, I like Dobbo and uh, there's a there's a lad who uh, Paul Paul Grady um, and we used to go everywhere you know we went mm-hmm. we, we literally we'd get in the car Keith if you know what every good football fan wants is someone who's teetotal because um, Keith was teetotal <laughs> Keith was teetotal yep. designated so we were, driver every week so Cheers, Keith yeah yeah <laughs> Keith, Keith was a professional driver he was a taxi driver so uh, he uh, he didn't touch a drop. And uh, he he duly picked up the mantle of designated driver for sort of every single game, yeah. And we did we did every game uh, home and away, culminating obviously. I remember going to Br- Bristol City in the third round in in the January, um, mm-hmm. and I've sort of, I've sort of tweeted about this um, from the football account. And you know, it was one of them games where I I don't know how we won, but we won. Matt Jackson scored a worldy. Um, and that and the whole stand. If you can, if you can remember when you went to Bristol, I think you were in the opposite end to the end that you're in now. Because yeah, it's obviously the, been redeveloped. The wedlock end, the wedlock stand. Yeah, so we were in that, and it was I think it was a terrace. Um, and and we we travelled down. Keith had driven, uh, parked up in some industrial estate, had a couple of pints. We get on the game. We're awful all the way through. Matt Jackson comes up with this absolute screamer into the bottom mm-hmm. corner. And the whole of that stand on the right, if you remember, it was elevated. It was a strange stand. It used to be elevated, and you, like a brick, a brick. Yes, yeah. Bit. Yeah. So like, uh, for the one on the right from from where you are in the yeah, wedlock yeah. stand, yeah, yeah. Well, they, they 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 built they built more seats further down, didn't they? Um, yeah. But yeah. Back then, yes, you're right. It was elevated. And it had these steps coming down. So that stand when Matty Jackson scored and it was really, really late, could have even been like injury time. It was, it was late on that stand sort of emptied very quickly, but not emptied as, Oh, we're all going home. It was like emptied. We're all coming on the pitch and you're like, Oh, look at all them. They're all going, Oh no, they're not going. Oh, actually they're coming here. And it was, (laughs) um, again, you know, getting outside in that back in that car park, um, you know, the gauntlet was again, ran um, back to the car. With you know, sort of police horses and mm-hmm. pitch battles all the way back to the to, to the car. Really, it was a it was certainly an eye opener. But then we, we we then went on that journey. Then that was the third round. We ended up beating, I think it was Norwich at home. Um, we ended up in the semi final at, at Ellen Road. Ellen Road, uh, yeah. Um, against against uh, Spurs, Spurs, who obviously yep. had um, Jürgen Klinsmann playing for them at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, I don't think we were given any. We were, I don't think we were given a hope in hell, really. Unfortunately for us as well, I don't know how this happened, but we end up in three sides of the ground. Everton yeah. in three sides. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's, it, uh, it's mainly. I think it's, if I remember rightly, it was down to just purely um, 
the, the accommodation, the, the, the attendance accommodation, as it were. So that big new two-tiered stand at Ellen Road holds, a, uh, holds something like 18,000, I think, which is yeah, almost yeah. half of the capacity of Ellen Road, hence why you've got both ends and the camera under the pitch, or the, sorry, the yeah, stand yeah. under the camera. Um, yeah, as a, as a... so I so we end up I end up in the in the stand under the camera and I, I you know I can't remember I can't remember the names of the stands but we end up in that I end up in that stand I think fifteen of us went on a minibus um, and Keith drove which was good of him again um, and we we get there and um, we're we're in three sides and you sort of like well this is like a home game now you know it's it's yeah, they had the massive, the massive stand, the two tier one with, with, with as you say, eighteen thousand in. But we, we had three sides of the ground, and I think that massively played into our hands. And we were, mm-hmm. we, we were probably that was probably the best we played all season. That game, we were outstanding. Um, I remember watching you know, it. Yeah, we blew them away. You know, they, I, I, they got a penalty, and I never thought. I, I see even to this day, I still don't think it's a penalty. Um, but you know, the the these. At that point, being an Evertonian, and again, it'll resonate with most fans. Being an Evertonian, when you're two and a lot, you know, you never feel like two's enough. Um, you know, I never feel like five's enough as an Evertonian. Um, <laughs> normally, when teams get one against us, we, 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 you know, we, we, we collapse like a, like a, like a house of cards, um, in, in, in a mild breeze. Um, but they get one back from a penalty, and we're sort of that. We're then, you know, thinking, oh, these are going to just have a proper golders now. But then, um, you know, Joe Royal makes the inspired substitution that he never ever made um, when Daniel Amakachi comes on the pitch. Brought a bit of ammo on the pitch, yeah, yeah, yeah. When he wasn't supposed to come on, um, and it, and he goes and scores, he goes and scores a couple of goals. Twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He scores two when he wasn't even supposed to be on the pitch. And uh, we, we we run out 4-1 winners and then it's off to Wembley then. And again, mm-hmm. we'd been to every game that season. So, we, you know, it was easy to get a, fi- a ticket for the final. We all had season tickets. I remember going going to the hotel and there was there was these lads stood outside, big, big, big lads. Uh, do you want to you sell your ticket? And then, so we, we, we really thought the wind was behind us. Um, so there was no way we were going to sell them tickets. They were offering three hundred pound. I mean, which you know, back then would have been, you know, was a week's wage, probably. A lot of money, yeah, yeah. Bit, probably a bit more. Well, it was more than a week's wage, um, given we paid three thirty quid for the tickets. Uh, but we we didn't sell them. We all went the game. It was just a, an amazing, amazing weekend. Uh, but yeah, it was it was great. And then it, it was just then you sort of back because I was back home then as well. I'd, I'd left the navy at that point. It was it was. Um, it was pretty much back to where where I was when I left off in the in the in the late eighties, and it was it was home and away pretty much every week with uh, with Keith at the helm. <laughs> Thanks to Keith. Keith is getting a lot of props, to be fair. So you know, and and the designated driver is certainly if it in the case of somebody who doesn't drink, it's it's one of those one of those almost unwritten roles that that is underrated, isn't it? Because it just allows everybody else to have their own time, you know, and not because that person is, you know, that that driver is, um, it's not a, not at their expense because certainly no, if they no, don't no. drink, but you know, but the, it does it, it does allow you know everybody else to have their have fun in their own way, doesn't it? Yeah, of course, yeah, and and anyone who's who's followed Everton home and away throughout the the nineties will know Keith. So I don't need to say his surname. They'll all know yeah. Keith. 
Keith, props to you, mate. Props to you. Hats, hats off to you, Keith. You've yes, got me absolutely. And you got me. <laughs> and you got me back. So, obviously, you, you've left the navy. I think you, you mentioned in '94. Yeah. Um, and there's this that, that, that period of time, certainly over the next sort of seven or eight years, is a very turgid and quite mediocre time as an ever or for Everton as a club. Um, we're looking sort of moving up to sort of around sort of 2002 time when David Moyes takes over. But of course, there are there are some changes in your own life, aren't there? So you mentioned that you've come out of the Navy. There's a factory job that you've mentioned. You mentioned um, off um, off this recording so far that uh, there was a taxi job that you had around Liverpool. Um, yeah, well, my dad was a taxi driver for, and still is a taxi driver for, mm-hmm. he'd been, you know, probably from the early 80s onwards when he sort of, he stopped taking me to games when he he was he was HGV driver through the seventies and stuff, and then he 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 bought a taxi and was taxiing around um, Nosley, so Kirby, Heighton, and then into Liverpool and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I left the navy, went and worked in this factory where I met met Keith, uh, nod to Keith again, um, and, mm-hmm. and the other lads who we used to go to game with. Um, but factory life really wasn't for me. I haven't been. Um, Sort of away at sea and out and about and sort of quite active. It, 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 although it was a really good job and it was really, it was really well paid. It just, it just didn't sit with me at all. I just couldn't really get my head around it, especially doing sort of the nights and all that. It was making turbo charges for cars, so it was engineering and it was, I'd say, it was a decent job. But I just couldn't um, stick sort of that production line. Sort of felt like a bit of a battery hen, sort of rammed in. It was quite a noisy environment, and you might have noticed I like to talk a lot, so um, it wasn't the easiest place to sort of natter away. Um, and and so I said to my dad, you know, any chance of, of jumping on the cabs? Um, he sorted me out a collar, a collar's a collar, basically a shift. So you do a, a day collar or a night collar, so a day shift mm-hmm. or a night shift. So he ended up getting me um, a, a, a night a night collar on one of his mates' taxis. Um, I did the knowledge. Um, lagged my way through that, um, and, and then I, I took up uh, do, doing nights on on the taxis um, before getting my own uh, black taxi. You know the the Hackneys um, mm-hmm. in and around Kirby, and then that then sort of introduced me to another another um, group of mates who, unfortunately for me and them, they were they were all sort of Reds, which started another <laughs> another 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 journey of pain. You know, because well, because once. Again, it, it very much split 50-50, reds and blues on the taxis um, down there. And um, these lads, are, all of them, and they, they, they know who they are, they listen to this, and a few of them follow on Twitter and stuff. Um, and we're still mates to this day. Um, yeah, so I, I, I was on the taxis, a group of lads they who were around my age, they were all reds, Everton were in the, pretty much in the doldrums. Um, and they were sort of going all over Europe and would regularly say, can you pick us up at the airport, which was obviously an enjoyable journey <laughs> home, whenever they'd fly back from wherever they'd been. And, you know... They'd, they'd, right they'd three. Be, exactly, they'd be stinking, <laughs> a, stinking a beer and, and euphoria, and I'd be sort of sat there, and, and I'd have to sort of get the dog's abuse for the next sort of 40 minutes to an hour while I'd sort of drop them all off at their, at their houses. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, so I went on the so I was a taxi driver for a few years, which probably then was the best practice really for joining the police, to be honest with you, because it certainly being a taxi driver down in Kirby and Heighton and um Dovecut and Halewood and, and into into the city, into Liverpool, 
uh, it teaches you one thing, and it's it's to sort of be uh, to think quick, you know, and to be able to uh, <laughs> to think quick and to be able to talk to people, really, and that, and, that. and then I joined the police in um, two thousand and two. Um, yeah, it, it was it was a, it was a massive shift, and at the time, obviously, you know, as a taxi driver, you, I was still playing Sunday league football, played for a team called FOPA. Fopa stood for the five o'clock piss artists um, <laughs> in the in the Holmskirk League, um, and, and they very much lived up to the name. Um, but I ruptured my Achilles twice, and when you're a taxi driver and you're, um, you know, you, you you've got your leg in plaster, you, no one's paying you, no one's paying your bills for you. No, um, no. So you know, I took the uh, the words of advice from. Uh, the missus and to, you know get yourself a proper job if you're gonna you know keep getting yourself injured you better get yourself a proper job um so i applied for the lancashire police and i, I got in in the uh in 2002 presumably that being being a local force around shift you're still able to go and watch everton and you had that fourth place finish in 2005 yeah. um when if i remember rightly that lot over the way, as you as you had mentioned earlier, you eloquently uh, referred to them as yeah, try yeah, to uh, yeah. try to nick that away from you. Um, yeah, yeah, they did the best. I mean, ultimately, we it, again, you know, it ended in spectacular failure. You know, you don't want to hark on about it being, you know, that's just sort of so, that's just so evident. You know what I mean? Just to lose in that <laughs> manner and to play one of the teams who 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 would ultimately get you know go progress really far. You know, we could have drawn anyone, but we drew we drew like you know the yellow submarines. Um, and uh, yeah, Kalina somehow seen a foul that again you could watch it a hundred times, and you can't for the life of me see what he saw that day. But mm-hmm. you know, it's history, and um, yeah, so I still managed to get to, to games. Obviously, we, we, I was working shifts then. So it, it was pretty much picking games rather than, you know, the, the, I didn't uh, continue with the season ticket or anything because it, it it just wouldn't fit into the shift pattern we were working. We weren't really, yeah. I think it was only like two Saturdays in five that I had off. But then Still the, pick, um, pick me games. The, yeah. But then the, the almost, I suppose, based on the discussion that we've had so far, um, in 2007, the dream job comes up. My my memory of football has always been police at football matches. You know, this sort of concept of no police being at football matches is is like a new thing, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so so sort of quickly, when I joined, I, I'd started working. You'd start working Preston games um, as part of a, an officer on the ground or whatever. Um, and I wasn't really conscious of a football officer role as such. I don't think, even when I travelled away with Evan, I wasn't really wary that there might have been someone from Merseyside police following us around. Um, but there, there was, and, I, and back then, to sort of 2000, and, I'd say 2005, 2006, one of the lads who was, um, so you've got the football officer whose job, it, it, he's, it's his job to sort of do all the intelligence, the information and the assessments and all that sort of side of it and link him with the club and the away teams and all that sort of stuff. And then you have um, football spotters, which... I, Again, hopefully, you know, you're aware of there that yeah, yeah, yeah. the officers who travel around get to know the fans, engage with them, and sort of get to pick out people from the crowd. Yep. Um, and, and so, one of the one of the spotters was a mate of mine who I became mates with, and he he sort of said, "You know, you're into your footy, aren't you?" We'd always talk football, obviously. I was like, "Yeah, yeah." He said, "Oh, um, the lad who's the football officer." 
like a new spotter, someone had dropped out or gone promoted or whatever, would you be up for it? And I was like, well, what's it entail? He went, well, basically entails going around the country watching watching football, you know, watching the football fans and stuff. And I was like, well, yeah, I'm game for that. I've been doing it for the last sort of 20 years on off and mm-hmm. on, but watching my team. Um, so I started as a football spotter in sort of 2006-2007 season. And then the lad who was in the job at the time, uh, Guy, he moved on. He'd been doing it a good few years and he'd sort of been an England spotter and stuff and gone the World Cup in Germany in 2006 and stuff. Um, and he, he decided to move on to a different job. So it was it was a bit like um, the football job sort of known through policing is a bit like dead man's shoes. You know, once you're in that job, you're not really going to move on until you either retire or, or, you, or, or you, you know, you pass over to the other side. Um, so it was, it was rare for him to, for someone to, for the job to come up. Anyway, the job come up and at the time there was a lad who was, who was sort of a regular spotter and had been a spotter for years. And it was like, well, he's putting in for it. There's no point in putting in for it if he's putting in for it, because he'll definitely get it. So I don't think any of us put in for it. He got it, but then he knocked it back. Um, he, he got the job and then he, he had second thoughts and, and, mm-hmm. and went on to do something else. So the, the, the role came up again and spoke to the sergeant and the, and the detective inspector who was in charge of it at the time. And, uh, you know, they, they sort of encouraged me to apply for it. I applied for it and obviously got it. And the rest, as they say, is sort of history. I, I got officially got the job sort of the, the end of that 2006-2007 season. Um, and I've been lucky enough to, to to sort of still be doing it now. So, what exactly does it does it entail? I, in a nutshell, you are the you are responsible for providing the commanders of of an area where the football team sits with information, intelligence around the team, the fans, and the team who are visiting and the fans who are visiting that area is sort of in simplistic terms. You're responsible for, for painting a picture for the commanders around what to expect when that event is on in, in, in their town so that they can adequately uh, police the event. I mean, the, the, the role has developed over the, the years that I've been doing it pretty much when I got it, it was sort of look out for the troublemakers, focus on the troublemakers, ban the troublemakers mm-hmm. Um and then obviously as the digital age is sort of, you know, taken off, I'd like to think we, we're more about engagement now. We're more about working with the fans, making sure that the fans experience at that, you know, at, at that event is a, is a, is a, an enjoyable one. You know, for some people, a good day out isn't really a good day out unless they have a bit of aggro at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. and, and, and you know, the, that, those people will always exist, you know, but they exist in every sort of area of life, don't they? You know, if they, they, they're they the same people who on a Saturday, on a Friday night, don't consider they've had a good night unless they've had a fight at the end of the night. So it's mm-hmm. it's not, you know, it's not uh, unusual to expect that to, to, to sort of seep into football as well. So what we've, what I've tried to do and what we've tried to do at Preston the bosses is concentrate on on the 99.9 percent of people who are coming to the game who are just coming f- to watch their team and have a good day out and that sets the tone if you you know if, if you are a football fan and you're traveling up on the train or traveling down on the train depending on where you're coming from and you you know you, you're just sort of casually scrolling through twitter and you see this thing on your club's account or somebody who follows a friend or whatever uh, a scene that, and it just sets the tone for how that game is going to be you know, talking as a football fan and I think yeah. that's 
that's something that can really be lauded and many, many forces and many clubs can learn from, I think. You know, if it's perceived to be a big game, um, you know, where, it, where you're getting five and a half thousand fans, I mean, Preston will give five and a half thousand fans uh, away fans, you know, pre the last 12 months, obviously. Preston will give five and a half thousand tickets to, to any team that will take them, really. So mm-hmm. if you've got five and a half thousand people coming to it to, and they're going to land in your city or your town, then you need to be engaging with them a couple of weeks in advance. Yeah. So I do. So I, I tend to do a bit of a bit of research, and I'll I'll seek out on Twitter um, the fans groups. You know the fans groups who who tweet a lot, um, mm-hmm. and and I'll send them messages. You know, or I'll di- I'll direct message them, just saying, you know, does anyone want? You know, I'm going to put some tweets out. You know, is there anything that you particularly like? Then you know, not that you like. You know what I mean? It, you know. You know, victorious sandwich if you're a Fulham fan or whatever. You know, not that sort of stuff. <laughs> um, but um, yeah. you know, if um, you know, if the stuff that's going to strike a chord with your fans, you know, what way to go, rather than just this bland, you know, or or almost autonomous um, <clears throat> robotic. Tweet that you, yeah, you could yeah. basically you could basically set them. Well, nowadays with the media tools, you could set them to go off every, you know, every week on a. a week couldn't you and you literally wouldn't need to do anything yourself so i'll Mm -hmm. seek seek out them i'll try and engage them i'll try and get them involved i'll try and provoke a bit of a bit of uh, communication a bit of banter um you know be it you know Ipswich fans you know posting pictures of them coming up the end at the a14 on a tractor or something you know just something that (laughs) that you know i say you know be careful of the traffic you know the tractors take ages um so it's stuff like that you know stuff that that is going to get people involved. And then, so the idea behind that is set that up sort of a couple of weeks in advance and sort of keep that, build up that momentum towards the game. And then on the day of the game, when we've got the briefings with the bosses, we can, I can say to the bosses, look, we've already set, you know, got a bit of a rapport with the fans going. So when he does his briefing to the cops, he can say to them, look, we've already, we've already sort of virtually met them. You know, and we and that they they're expecting their expectations of us are this. We are going to be fair. We're going to be friendly. We're going to show them where they need to go. We're going to help them get to where they need to go. You know, mm-hmm. we're not going to be um, we're not going to be uh, you know impact too much on their day. You know, we should be like a good referee. We you know where you don't notice us until you know throughout the throughout the day really. Yeah, um, almost almost. I, I want to say light touch, but you know, not even light touch or. Um, just observant and unless unless absolutely necessary. Treat people like adults. You treat people like adults, they'll behave like adults. Treat them like animals, they'll yep. behave like animals. And yeah, and you know, we've 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 done okay with it. It's saved us well. You know, it's all about legitimacy. It's about building a rapport, putting the responsibility for the behaviour on the people who who you who are coming to behave. You know, mm-hmm. and and yeah. it's where it seems to have worked for us anyway. And people put a lot of money into going away from home to watch the teams. And it shouldn't be spoilt by, you know, sort of over-officious uh, police officers, really. Mm-hmm. That's my view, anyway. That yeah. I never liked being policed like that, so I don't police like that. No, and amen to that. I think that, that would resonate with, with almost every single, every single football fan. Yeah, don't get me wrong. You're going to get, you know, you, you're going to get some cops who, who are working who don't, who don't like football and don't like football. You know, it's like anything, any, you know, they don't like football. They don't get it. They don't understand it. Our job, my job, 
and the boss's job is 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 on them is in the build up to the game is to engage the fans, and then mm. on the day of the game is to try and get across to the cops what the fans expect of us, not what we expect of them. And you know you get you, you then get you know on, on social media you, you, and on on the day you know you you meet so many people who 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 say oh you know I've been tweeting you and stuff. And it's brilliant, and you get to meet all these people and put faces to names, some of the most bizarre names you've ever seen. You know, like I'm Squidgy eight seven two, and you're like, all right, great. You know, what's your real name? You know, uh, uh, be it like Nick from Leeds, or you know, all the all these people. Are, it's really nice that people sort of want to chat to you and speak to you and stuff. You know what I mean? I'm really, really sort of honoured to do the job I do. I'm privileged in that. I, you know, I get to do the job I do. I really enjoy the job I do. I, I think that hopefully that comes across that I, I really enjoy it, and and the best bit of it is meeting the people, you know, the P, the PNE fans or who I know who know me up and down because I go I go to every game, home and away when we're allowed to, um. So you know the people who are, who we you know Janet and Eileen who, who I went and visited. You know she she's not well and had a stroke and I got you know got friend mates with her family and stuff and go and visit her at home and things like that, um. And it, it's a, it, for me, the football officer, his job is I am the community officer for that football club. It's not about sort of, yeah, it's about gathering information and intelligence, but that's what any community officer does on their beat. And the football club is my beat. You know, I'm not trying to catch people out. If you do wrong, then you do wrong and, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll end up coming unstuck anyway, you know. Um, but I'm... I, we're called dedicated football officers. Um, I prefer to look at us as community football officers. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big community in it, and we're all mm-hmm. responsible for for making sure everyone has an enjoyable, safe, safe day. Really. So, um, six questions here. All right. Okay. Um, as long as it's not an on geography, I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like that. So. Getting into uh, into my very last uh, section, I I I always, I want to say I trialed it last week with Kaz. Um, she was the guinea pig. Um, oh, okay. Six questions here. Um, the significant six, I think, is what I what I tabled. So um, just give me the quick quick fire answer, and then we'll have a quick discussion um, okay. about it afterwards. Okay. So question one: your, um, your your the best game you've ever been to? Everton v Bayern Munich, twenty fourth of April, nineteen eighty five. My third birthday. Best away ground. Brentford, Griffin Park. Best season. Eighty-four, eighty-five. Uh, best ever away day. Uh, FA Cup semi-final, uh, Tottenham in ninety-five. If that 95. you can class that as an away day. It's, well, it's not a Goodison Park, so yeah, it's an away day. Um, uh, question five, I'm warning you now, there um, is only one right answer. Um, your favourite current Everton player? Mm. Oh, um, it's not really quick fire, this, is it? Um, <laughs> it's, you know, it's so difficult, because they're all pretty annoying at the minute. Um Probably Luca Dinia, the left back. Oh, wrong answer. Got to be, got to be, Gil- it's got to be Gilfie. <laughs> I 
yeah. And if you said it the most, <laughs> if anyone divides opinion, he's probably the most divisive player. Yeah. I really like Gilfie Sigerson, um, but uh, he properly splits opinion yeah. now amongst Evertonians. Okay. Uh, well, we'll, so we'll have a little discussion about, yeah, about yeah. Luca Dean and um, uh, and what. Well, Purely because he's ex-Reddit, he started. You know, we we taught him everything that he knows. That he of knows. course, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll have a, we'll have a little discussion about him. Um, okay. And uh, your favourite all-time Everton player? Great, uh, Graham Sharp for me. Yeah. Okay. So I think we've pretty much covered this a little bit earlier. Um, but you know, Bayern Munich in the um, yeah Winners' Cup semi-final. Yeah, it goes without saying. Really, I'd say we we talked about it a lot. It's sort of I, an iconic game amongst Evertonians of that era. Um, yeah, just it just it just encapsulated everything of that at that time. It was it it was probably the final that never was, and um, it it still lives long in the memory. Now I've still got the program. Somehow I managed to keep hold of the program. I don't know how I managed to keep hold of the program because someone nicked me at. Um, <laughs> but. But I kept I kept my program anyway. It's up. It's framed on the wall to remind me, mainly to remind me as well. It's uh, I got married on the twenty fourth of April as well. But no, oh, very, yeah, very that, good. That was purely coincidental. If Mrs. Elliot's listening. <laughs> um. So you said Griffin Park for the best away ground. Yeah, I don't know what it. It's just a great ground, isn't it? It's just a shame it's gone. Um, it's you know the four pubs on each corner, terrace. Old school, tight. It's not the biggest, but it's certainly got a lot of character. You know, Preston fans. It's the it's the one that always springs to mind when I when yeah. I think of football grounds. I don't like these out of town sort of Meccano set football grounds that have sort of sprung up. Like the Madeira. Wa- I wasn't going to say the Madeira, <laughs> but so any, you can any, say it. We know anyway, what we've got. We know any, what we've got. Any any football ground where you have to get a lugger bus to it and back to town for a pint isn't, you know what I mean? Isn't it? It's it's not the best, is it? No, no, no. And I I completely understand where away fans come from because um, with that, um, yeah. I, look, it is what it is. We've we've got to live with it. If we, I think, if you ask any Reading fan. Um, if we could relocate it, then we, we absolutely would do to to um, somewhere um, near the town centre. But I say it, it is what it is, and it's it, you know it's it's not a, it's no uh, slight on the Reading fans at all. It's you know you, you go no, where no, club, no. you go you go where the club goes, don't you know? Everton have just you know had the planning application done for for the new stadium, and it'll be it'll be a wrench to leave Goodison. But when you look at the plans for that new stadium on the docks, it, you know it, it looks. It looks amazing. It looks it looks the part, doesn't it? Now, hopefully, it'll have the same feel. Whether it will or not, I don't know. Because obviously, we're you know we'll be entering the realms of the prawn sandwich brigade, won't we? You know, we'll be moving mm-hmm. away. We'll be moving away from those wooden seats that trap me fingers in age four. I might go back and see if I can get that <laughs> when they when they close Goodison for the last time. Yeah, so you mentioned um, Griffin Park. I've actually got a chap called Billy Grant coming on next week, who's a Brentford fan. So he'll be pleased to know that you've uh, you've chosen Griffin Park. Yeah, I've met Billy the Bee many times. Ah, oh, nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. It, lovely fella. Um, yeah, and you know it's a shame that we because Preston was supposed to play there um, last season. Obviously, COVID um, 
came and took that away. And we would, I think, we would, I think it was the last away game. I think it would have been the the last. They would have been the last team to play there. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, they were the last team to play there, but you know, with fans in, it's always a place Preston fans have loved to go. Although the results have never really reflected their sort of enthusiasm. But um, any of the London games are, are obviously good days out for for us Northerners. You know, a chance to come down and see mm-hmm. how the other half live in their uh, million pounds, two up, two downs. Um, yeah, spend five pounds fifty on a pint as well. Yeah, there's nothing we like more than being ripped, ripped off by 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 southern shandy drinking southerners. And it's not um, and it's not it's not if you could have a pint of ale, it's not even pulled through a sparkler either. I mean, we we could at least do you the courtesy of doing that, really, couldn't we? Exactly. You know, you know, cool it down a bit for us. We don't like warm beer. We don't like warm beer. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so your best, Griffin best, Park. Yeah, yeah, Park, good stuff. So best season, you said eighty four, eighty five. It's championship winning season. Yeah, um, everything clicked into place. It was just great. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the best ever away day, Spurs, um, in the semi-final, semi-final yeah. 95. Yeah. Again, on that, yeah. Yeah, Daniel Amakachi with his, almost his finest hour in an Everton shirt, I think. Is that fair? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, he scored, he scored a couple of goals, but he was never what we thought he was going to be. You know, I think mm-hmm. he spent a couple of million on him, which was a lot back then. I think that he bought him off the back of a decent World Cup. I think he scored a screamer for Nigeria in the World Cup. Um I seem to remember him. I think we probably bought him off that. Another one of the sort of YouTube, you know, you watch the 30 <laughs> second highlight reel on YouTube and you think you're getting Maradona and you're getting Madonna. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, he, 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 it, that was his, that was his day and it was our day. And um, I say, we, I think we even give, I don't know whether we give, no, Keith did drive the minibus and then we ended up going back, parking the minibus up at a boozer and we actually made Keith have a drink. And uh, he, he, yeah, he didn't do. He, did, he, he didn't recover for a few days after afterwards. <laughs> Blimey! Let me know why he's teetotal. So, uh, favorite current Everton player, uh, Luca Dean. Yeah, um, Luca, he's I mean, left, left back, isn't he? Yeah, he's left back, and he, he sort of come at the back end of late. Sort of, but we bought him for twenty-four million from Barcelona. Didn't really know much about him, and you're sort of thinking, how's he going to replace Leighton Baines, who's been a sort of the stalwart of that sort of David Moyes era. Um, and he'd obviously stuck with us when Moyes went to United and then come tried to buy him off us. Um, and he, st- he stuck with us, Bainesy. And, he, 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 you know, a club, you know, I think it's fair to say, pro- you know, a legend. Um, you look at his contribution, you know, it, it was it, if it wasn't for Ashley Cole, he probably would have had 100 England caps. Mm-hmm. Um you know, he was an outstanding footballer. They brought Luca Dean, and you sort of thought, I don't see where this is where he's going to fit in. This lad, I don't think he's going to get a game. I don't think, I don't think he did get a game for the first few months, and then he sort of come in and quickly his sort of reputation grew, and he and he's truly outstanding football. I think he struggled of late, but then the whole team has, and that's why I sort of struggled to pick a. You know, it'd be brilliant to get on the game and see, you know, James Rodriguez, uh, who I sort of questioned was buying him. Uh, but then again, it shows what little we know about football when, you know, he come and he, you know, you like sort of thinking, well, he's a Real Madrid reserve. He, you know, he, he didn't really light up, light up Madrid and then he went to Munich. He didn't really do much there. You know, he's 29. He's never been that player that, you know, lit up the World Cup for Colombia. Um, but he, he the, the, you know, I think anyone who's watched any of the games on telly will, will, sit, will tell you that the boy can play. You know what I mean? He, he's, 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 he's just one of them players he's got very little pace but always oh, seems to have all the time in the world 
sees passes no one else does, plays them before he's got the ball. Um, and I only hope that, you know, the fans get back in and he, he sort of sticks with us and he can sort of get over these niggling injuries that he picks up, whether that's of his age or whether that's just the way he is, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we actually get to see him in the flesh. You know, he, he could he, he could really do, be good for us. Decore has obviously come in and done really well, but again, he's he's out injured, been out injured for weeks. Alan, another one is good player, come in, but again, he's only played 19 games, I think, out of 33. So, it's been a really difficult... Dominic Calvert-Lewin, obviously, is, is banging the goals in up front. Uh, but I think Luca Dean has been a mainstay of the team for the last couple of seasons. And, and at the minute, he you know, he seems to have everything that you look for in an Everton player. Mm-hmm. You know, that heart, heart, bit of heart, bit of guile, bit of niggliness, bit of nastiness, can score goals, can create goals. Yeah, so... so in, and obviously, you've mentioned guilty. Um I think we were all really excited when we bought Gilfie, but we, he's he's this he's this uh, the the number ten in he you know this this proverbial the you know, the material that's even a word number ten. <clears throat> all teams want these number tens, but no one actually seems to know what to do with number tens. Um, <laughs> and, I, yeah. and I think I think when we bought him, I think we had four number tens. I think we had him, we had Rooney, we bought Davy Classen and stuff like that. We had them all playing at once, you know. Sort of, we had you know. That many numbers, you know, it just it just didn't yeah. fit. Guilty yeah, ended that. up bit. Was that under uh, Ronald Koeman that you bought? Yeah, from? under yeah. Koeman. Yeah, you know, and don't get me wrong, Guilty Sigerson is an extremely talented footballer. It's clear to see, you know, and he gets. I think he gets stick from Everton fans, um, who are, you know are genuinely split down the middle because of his lack of defensive attributes. But you don't. By Guilty Sigurdsons for the defensive attributes, mm-hmm. he is what you know. I call a leg dangler. You know, he, he's he ain't gonna go and throw himself into a tackle and don't expect him to. You know, um, he will dangle his leg at most things. Um, you know, he, he'll move out the way of a tackle rather than going one. And that's yeah. you know that's just the way he is. You can't expect him to be something he's not. What he is is an extremely talented footballer. Um, when he's got the ball at his feet, or when he's in that space that he likes to drift into in between the the, the midfield and the, and the and the back four, mm-hmm. and he can you know you watch him against Tottenham in the FA Cup where he's you know he scored a couple, he sets a couple up, you know he, again he, very much like Hamas Rodriguez in, in that he can see a pass before the balls come to him, yeah, um, and sometimes I think with some of these players I don't know whether you find it you know when I don't know whether Redden have ever had any of these players. <clears throat> but, you know, sometimes they're too good for the players around them in that they play a pass that uh, a more switched-on player would have been onto. And, yeah, it would have been, the- and you'd have been going, what a pass that is. But because they're not necessarily on the same wavelength, they don't yeah. they don't see it. And then it makes the player who's played the pass look stupid. We have we have had, um, and the one that springs to mind um, immediately is Marek Matajowski. Um, who nice. scored? You, you might you might have seen it. Um, he scored at Anfield. Um, it would have been about fourth or fifth minute in two thousand and eight, and it was an absolute worldie. You know, we talk about top bins, and this is proper top bins smashed on the volley, but it's completely overshadowed by the fact that it's the only frigging goal that Javier Mascherano um, scored for Liverpool. Same game. Nice. Um, but yeah, he, he was brought in to provide that midfield guile when we were. Uh, you know, beginning, we're having a real struggle in our, in our second season in the Premier League. Um, 
and in the championship, we we obviously sold the likes of Kevin Doyle. We'd sold um, uh, Dave Kitts, and we'd sold Stephen. And, and you know, but even then, some of these, some of those players, they just weren't on the same wavelength. He'd been brought in from the Czech Republic. He was a Czech Republic international, and he, he he was the sort of player that you've literally just described. He was a bit of a leg dangler. He was a yellow card waiting to happen because yes, he was playing in central midfield, um, but he's not the sort of player to go and get get stuck in. Um, mm. It was in a very, very similar sort of um, uh, Gilfie Sigurdsson Gilfie mould. In fact, they actually played together. They played in the same seat, in the same team in 2009-10 um, at Reading. Um, but Matioski is the one that immediately springs to mind because he was just on a different wavelength. Um, and there are some highlights on YouTube of us playing uh, Leicester. Um, they'd just been promoted. Um, and we absolutely battered Leicester. And Matioski was the... Was the everything good about our performance then and we had Brendan Rodgers as our manager then as well um, if there was any manager that was going to get the best out of Matyowski it was Brendan Rodgers um, and everything good about us in that game went through Matyowski and we lost 1-0 having absolutely battered them they, they scored with a set piece on half time and we did one of those games where we did absolutely everything but score um, so I know exactly where you're coming from with that, uh, yeah. with, that with that he's just a completely different wavelength different gravy yeah yeah, and as I say, you sometimes they make above average players look bang average because <laughs> they're not they're not they're not thinking, they're not quick yeah. enough to think, they're not quick enough to see that that pass that he's gonna see, that he's gonna yeah. slide through on an angle. Yeah. You know. But um yeah, so a notable nod to Gilfie from me, but oh, you know, at the minute, just to keep you happy more than anything else. <laughs> I'm pleased. Uh, and no, Graham Sharp, favourite all time gas uh, uh Everton yeah. player. Yeah, I, I think having grown up an Evertonian and, and with my granddad um, sort of banging on about Dixie Dean and Dave Hickson um, and then my dad picking that up with Alex Young, the golden vision he was known as, um, and Joe Royal. Um, you know, then we, we moved into sort of the 70s, 80s, Bob Latchford. Um, you know, along came Sharpie and, and, and he, he sort of took that number nine shirt, made it his own. And as I say, because of the the sort of the, the way I'd been brought up and, and these people who'd been spoken about, I think I sort of clung to him as my sort of my Dixie Dean. You know, he was my Dixie Dean, mm-hmm. he was my he was my Alec Young. Um yeah, you know, there was a great team and you could you could pick every anyone uh, through from that eighty four, eighty five, eighty six team, you know, Neville Southall in goal, probably the world's best. Gary Stevens was probably the best right back in the country, Kevin Ratcliffe. Pace to burn at centre half, um, Pat Vanden tough as tough as nails. You know you wouldn't want a reputation, didn't he? Oh, you wouldn't want to meet him down at that. I have met, I have, I actually met him a couple of seasons ago. One of the lads in work bought an Everton top or something, and he got automatically entered into this, you know, play at Goodison type thing. Um, and he won it. He he got into it. So <laughs> nice. Um, and and it was bring someone along anyway. He asked me, did I want to play at Goodison? You're not going to say no, are you? Um, so along we go, and we were met at the ground by uh, Pat Van der Nauw. We showed us around the change. We got changed in the home dressing room, and he was. I can say, even though he was, he's, you know, he's getting on a bit. He's still as scary as he probably was for them, to, for them <laughs> attackers. You know, in, in 20, 25, 30 years ago. Um, yeah, so you had you know you had Pat Van Der and then you know again Trevor Stephen, you know immense talent. Sheedy, wonderful left foot. Peter Reid had his nails. Bracewell, you know, an absolute sort of magician of a player. 
inchy Adrian Heath, you know, floating around and busy and getting goals and should have had England caps, but for Brian Marwood. Um, Andy Gray, you know, obviously brave as a lion, stuck his head in everything, you know, scored that goal against Notts County while he was lying on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, responsible for probably more responsible for helping winning us that league that year than, than anyone else, really. Um, got some really vital goals. I seem to remember two away at Leicester um, that we went to with my uncle. Um, but Sharpie for me just sort of does it 30 goals that season when we won the league, and he just epitomized everything my granddad and my dad had told me about people, you know, the, the strikers of who wore the number nine back in the day. And that's what football's about, isn't it? It's about it's about that sort of the romance of it and, mm-hmm. and and legend, you know, and having the legend of your day and listening to your your, your parents or your grandparents or whoever it is who tells you uh, or stamps it on you, you're gonna be an Evertonian or you're gonna be a Reading fan or you're gonna be whatever you you know, and, and so Sharpie sort of epitomized everything for me. Still does. Still you know, he still works for the club. Um and I, yeah, I love I love Graham Sharp. Yeah, I think that again that um, completely resonates because I'll always say that my favourite ever Reading player was Michael Jilks. Um, sort of left winger. Um, you know, you said about Kevin Ratcliffe. I mean, Michael Jilks had an absolute pace to burn. Um, first promotion I ever saw. We had Jimmy Quinn as our number nine. Michael Jilks on the left wing, and so I mean, Jimmy Quinn scored 37, 38 goals that season. Forty-six yeah. games uh, season, of course, but. Um, but so many goals just came from a Michael Jilks cross, uh, Jimmy Quinn far post header. Um, it was, yeah, it, it, and it was just, it, he'll always remain my favourite player. And again, like like Graham Sharp still works for the club. He's a, he's a coach at the club. Um, and yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll always be, always, always be thankful to Jilksy for, um, for, for, for almost being my first love, I suppose you could say. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, everyone, it, it, we're all the same football fans, aren't we? We're, we're all, we all sort of cling on to those, those, those people who we we sort of looked up to, the the ones we wanted to be. The, you know, the, the I'd say when me mate me mate played for Everton, I said to him like, "Can you, you know, get me a shirt?" And he got me. He, he said, "Which one?" I said, "Oh, get me Sharpies." And he did. He mm-hmm. got me got me Graham Sharp shirt. So it was nice. uh, still got pride of place in the house. Yeah, is that is that framed and um and, and on the wall? It is. It is. It is. Nice to hear. Nice to hear. On the um, wall in on the wall in the loft because she won't let me put it in the house. <laughs> Converted loft, I hope. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> um, Paul, it's been a, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've really really enjoyed this. Um, just a couple of quick notes uh, to my followers. Um, please feel free to follow me. Um, I know Paul put out a tweet the, uh, just before we were starting to record, and I can already see on my phone I've got countless notifications of people following me. So thank you very much, Paul. Um, no that's more uh, more followers for me. Um, so yeah, f- um, follow me um, at Terrace Memoirs on Twitter. There's a Facebook group, um, Terrace Memoirs. Email me for any feedback or anything like that, um, or uh, anything if you want to come on the show, or you just want to offer um, a comment, say the good work, or um, you're absolute rubbish. I don't mind. Um, <laughs> I can take it. Um, so the email address is Terrace I Memoirs. <laughs> the email address is uh, Terrace Memoirs at gmail.com. Um, follow me um, personally on Twitter at handbags82, uh, and also you know please please follow Paul um, on the um, the uh, the PNE uh, football officer account. It's at PNE Police. Is that right? 
That's correct. Yeah, that's correct. Um, but yes, otherwise, um, just leaves me uh, to say once again, thank you so, so much, Paul. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've enjoyed every single minute of it. Um, yeah, it's been it's been really good, mate. As I said to you at the beginning, I, I got me little scrapbook down from the loft um, in anticipation of sort of trying to claw back the memories and stuff. And then, it, you know, got I set, told me dad what we were doing, and he and he sort of gone. We went through it all, and we sort of relived it all again, really. So it's been nice. It's it's been really good. Really. It's been it's been very cathartic, especially after the weekend we've just had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can I can imagine. Just uh, yeah, that's that's really really nice to hear because if anything, if if it don't, you know, it's very difficult, or very 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 um, easy for me to forget that there is you know rather than just talking about it, there is a lifetime outside of football uh, and those relationships, and part of that is part of this podcast is to explore that. Um, and if that you know that has helped you to uh, to just you know go over those bonds that you formed with your father, then um, then they're brilliant. I'm I'm really pleased. Still going on about me trapping my fingers, though. We need to let that go. <laughs> I think you need to let the seat go, mate. <laughs> I'm going to get the seat. <laughs> Thanks very no much, worries. anyway, Dave. It's been no worries, Paul. Good. I appreciate it.